There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher. Welcome today's guest, Mr. Phil Rosencrantz. He is a professor emeritus at Cal Poly, and he is the author from Letters from Uncle Dave, The 73-Year Journey to Find a Missing in Action WW2 Paratrooper. Welcome, Phil. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on today. Uh, so just, just the title alone, 73-Year Journey to Find a Missing in Action WW2 Paratrooper. Tell me... Tell me a little bit about the story. Well, I, 22 years ago, I saw the movie Saving Private Ryan, and it was about a missing paratrooper. And I had an uncle who was a missing paratrooper in World War II, but he didn't come home. Nobody knew what happened to him. Um, very little conversation when I was growing up. Uh, my grandmother was still alive when I was a child, and um, she told me that uh, my uncle David was still alive. She knew it, and someday he would come home. Uh, but nobody would talk about it because of my grandmother's uh, obsession. And she died in 1960, um, and then from 1960 till 1998. There was no really conversation. So um, I just knew I had a missing uh, uncle. And I thought after seeing, seeing Private Ryan, why don't I, you know, we have the Internet now. Why don't I see what I could find from searching? And uh, the, the bottom line is, just to set the stage, is I just started surfing around and checking and I never expected to find more than where he died, how it happened, what the battle was, whatever. But I ended up finding a veteran who was still alive, who was an eyewitness to what happened to him. And so that opened up a lot of questions. And, and I ended up collecting artifacts and memorabilia from my cousins and from my aunt and uh, found a few more things uh, from other relatives and started getting interested in it and uh, made a website about my uncle uh, just because I could. And I uh, got contacted by people in Europe. Um, he was killed during Operation Market Garden in the Netherlands. And a Dutchman contacted me and said, oh, uh, give, me a, give me your phone number. And he was a young man who had been looking for my uncle for 15 years. Wow. And so anyway, the next 20 years was the journey to find him. Um, his remains were found in 2018, brought him home. And I always said I would write a book if that ever happened. And that, so that, that's what I've done. Nice. Well, it's, it's, it's incredible. So, I mean, looking back on this from, 
remembering grandma telling you that, that, that Dave's still alive. He's, he's, he's still with us yep. and, you know, grandma passing on and then seeing the movie and just what a, what a journey. So a, a, as you're holding a physical copy of this book now, that's got to be an incredible feeling. Yes, uh, it's very emotional. And the, it's interesting you should mention the holding the book because that just came up recently when I got the book and started talking to relatives, um, I had always said I would have closure on this whole thing when we brought my uncle home and buried him in at Riverside National Cemetery. He has four. He had four brothers who were also in World War II. Uh, they all came home. I thought that would be closure, and then I realized that uh, his name had been on the wall of the missing at the Netherlands. American Cemetery. <clears throat> and I went there and they had a ceremony uh, where next to his name on the wall of the missing, they put a medallion on the wall signifying he had been found. So then I thought, oh, that would give me closure. So I did that last September. And then I realized that the book really is the closure because that's the telling of his story. Mm as a legacy, as to memorialize him. And, you know, we don't do enough to memorialize those 400,000 soldiers that gave their lives over there. And so that was part of this book, is the significance of achieving that, that final closure. Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate that. And I, 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 I think that you're right, and I wonder what percentage of of millennials would be able to tell you how many people fought and gave their lives during World War II. I bet it would be a very small amount. So to remind people of the sacrifice that so many people made, I think just that alone is, is immensely valuable. Yes. Um, you've You've hit a soft spot there because – it's actually a lack of understanding of World War II, um, what parents, grandparents, great uncles and aunts, what they did then. Uh, there's a lot of young people that don't realize that if you don't understand World War II, you really have trouble understanding the last century. And there's some of them don't even know what the Holocaust and stuff like that is. They've heard the word, but they don't understand it. This book is an attempt also to help young people understand World War II. It's written with that in mind. So Nice. I certainly appreciate that. And you you are you you were a professor. Are have have, have you always been a writer? Well, I've I've never been a writer like this. I've been a writer of academic stuff, and so uh, this was a little bit of a uh, of a transition. And thank God for editors uh, <laughs> that can take take what I write and turn it into something that you would like to read. So, um, certainly, but in that sense, no. Yeah, certainly an undertaking, right? It's it's one thing to to do research and to, to compile information and then quite another to throw it in a funnel and try to put it in a story that's, that's consumable and enjoyable. 
yes, I, I found out a lot. I've learned a lot of stuff about writing. <laughs> and so I wasn't real. I started out just trying to say what happened to my uncle. And it's turned into more storytelling. And then we included uh, what makes this book, one of the things that makes it unique is we ended up including 49 letters that my uncle had written home that uh, out of 56 uh, that we had included 49 of them. And he was, a, he's a wonderful writer. He, he's humorous, um, very self-deprecating. And what, what that does is it helps the reader um, get to know him. And when you, when you get to know a character in a story or a movie, you have more empathy and you're more interested in, well, what happened to them? But if you don't care about them at all, the rest of the book or the rest of the story doesn't matter. And I think that's one of the magical things about this book is uh, based on the early reviews I've had is they felt like they got to know my uncle. He was a friend, a new friend. And so it made the whole rest of the story more compelling. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I think that that's got to be an essential thing. So nice. Uh, so you've obviously been thinking about this project for a really long time. Um, but did, did you say you really started to write it in 2018? Uh, yes, I I started right after <clears throat> right after the funeral, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and I thought, I, I mean, I had it in my head, so to speak, and I had my concept map, <clears throat> and in uh, by November he, he was buried in July, and by November I had what I thought was the book, and I had twenty eight thousand words, which is a small book. Then I started the process of editing and stuff, and the book ended up being 83,000 words. Wow, nice. <laughs> From 28,000 to 83,000. So, wow. Um, yeah. It just expanded. <clears throat> and there so uh, your thought process was, um, and I, I very much appreciate what, what it's turned into, as, as you were going through this process, when did it sort of click for you that you wanted to do more than just tell his story that you wanted to do uh, to, 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 to bring more people into, to, to remind people about world war two. Well, <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. I um, had a developmental editor and a lot of times when you're writing a book, you, when you have your draft, you, you hire what's called a developmental editor and they help you understand are you telling a story? What what's missing? Um, and I had a World War II uh, author and researcher um, who I had run into, and um, so she read the the manuscript, and then she really told me the potential of it and what was missing and what I needed to add to it, and um, that's when I added a lot more to it about the effects of the on the family, the grief, the loss, the agonizing they went through. I learned about something called ambiguous loss. Hmm. 
which I'd never heard of before. And I mean, we know what grief is, right? Somebody dies and we mourn them and we bury them or whatever. But ambiguous loss is when somebody is missing. They could be kidnapped, they could just have disappeared, uh, they just are gone, uh, or it could even be ambiguous loss, could be somebody has dementia and their mind is gone. And what that, what that does is you, you don't have closure. If they're kidnapped or, or missing in action or disappeared, you, you, worry, you don't know, did I do something? Are they suffering? In my uncle's case, because he was Jewish, my, my family was wondering, has he been, is he a POW somewhere? Is he being tortured? How did he die? And then if you never have closure on it, the whole rest of your life, you have nightmares about that. And so I learned all, a lot about that. Um, and so that added a, you know, a lot of chapters to the book. And then I also learned more about the leadership involved with paratroopers. And uh, think about it. If you're in the infantry and you're on the ground, you know, you're following your leader, your lieutenant or sergeant, whoever your, you know, uh, squad leader is, and you're taking orders and you're doing your stuff you would do on the ground. But a paratrooper <laughs> in the middle of the night jumps out of an airplane to God knows what. And they don't know who they're going to find on the ground to work with, what weapons they're going to have. Uh, if they're even in the right place, they have to figure out where they are. Uh, and then they have to organize. And it so it's a totally different style of training and leadership. You're dealing with chaotic conditions. Um, and there's so many, you have to have all kinds of strategies for what to do. So all those things kept adding to the book as time went on. Um, and, and I think that um, people are, appreciate some of this stuff because it gives them different perspectives that they never had before. Yeah, I think that that's all fascinating right there. I just recently had a conversation with somebody about how human beings, how our brains and just, our, just how, how, we're, how we're made up, we detest ambiguity and we, 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 we detest not knowing and, and, and chaos. So I certainly I empathize with somebody who is in a position where where mm -hmm. your your grandmother was and your family yeah. was just not knowing. And then I mean I can't even imagine jumping out of an airplane at nighttime into <laughs> into God knows what. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, dealing yeah. with that just chaos and ambiguity is fascinating. So I can see where fascinating where where a story will go. And Along with your background as um, as an academic writer and now and now a, a, a more of a storyteller, what about from a research standpoint? That's a whole nother world. And obviously, you and I mm -hmm. were both on the face yeah. of the earth before the internet. And you know, I went through the majority of my college without with, with without the internet. And so, you learning and knowing how to research, but then obviously a whole new world opens up. How 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 was that process? Well, my academic background helped me in, in a lot of ways. 
Um, and I've even taught research methods, so that helped. But uh, yeah, it connected me with, I mentioned the woman that was my developmental editor. Part of that was because I was interested in research, and that's how I ran into her. And she had told me, she told me after reading my draft, she said, you need to put your research documentation in there. You need to uh, have references, bibliography, you know, whatever, index, uh, endnotes, and all that. So the book uh, has a lot of that in it. Uh, and she said, you need to make it so that it's what a library wants on their shelf and something that researchers would pick up. So from that standpoint, I tried to be a little more thorough than just telling a story. Yeah. Um, but it, it also, um, I like doing that stuff. So that helped. Well, I would imagine. Otherwise, I was just thinking about, and I was kind of pulling my hair out over all the documentation that you would have to do. So, But if you're into it, then, 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 then more power to you. Yeah. <laughs> I even took an online course uh, called Reconciliation with War, and it was about the trauma that one family went through when the when the dad came back from the war with PTSD, his dysfunction, you know, abusing his family, and then a finally reconciling over about 40, 40 years. So I, I did stuff like that to try and uh, learn more, and I think it helped. Yeah, well, I'm 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 100% sure that it did. So I think you mentioned that there were 55 total letters. Yeah, 56. <laughs> so, but you only included 49. What what what, what was uh why why leave out the others? Okay, that's a good question. So my. My uh, uncle was the middle child of 11 children. Wow. And so he was writing letters to most of them. And so sometimes he would write two or three letters in a day to different siblings that said the same thing. Got it. And so I, I, would, I left a few of them out because they weren't really adding anything. He was, he was just kind of duplicating. Got but, it. Yeah. Had to ask. You just never know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so That's now, a good question. Oh, thanks. Uh, so now um, the the book is available. It's it's on sale. You can go to to Amazon and wherever fine books are sold. I'm sure mm -hmm. and buy it. But looking back on this process, um, are are you ever going to consider writing another book? Is there something you do different? Um. Good. That's another excellent question. I'm going to be. I'm going to write more books. In Great. fact, I I have the rough draft for another book. That the minute they found my uncle, I stopped that project, and jumped on this one. And uh, so I I now have a long list of books I want to write, although I would never write all of them. But yeah, the the next book, I'm. Will be to finish the first one, and that one is about. It's a totally different, totally different. Uh, my youngest daughter, uh, Debbie, um, is 34 years old, and she has Down syndrome. And 
So I've been collecting stories her whole life that I've put together called Lessons from Debbie. And they're really just interesting incidents and stories that are really just kind of life lessons that you wouldn't um, pick up otherwise. So I'm going to get back to that one. And then I have some others as well. But what I'm realizing from this book is um, that just writing the book isn't enough. There's I need now to help uh, kind of use it. Uh, and so I've already contacted a couple of high schools about uh, maybe using the book to help them with their World War II studies. It's called a unit study, where instead of just studying facts, you study an incident or you study a person from whatever that historical thing is, whether it was a war or the, you know, the depression. And so it's another way to learn about something. And I'm finding that uh, that's becoming more popular in high schools. And it's really huge in the homeschool movement. They, they try to spice up, you know, don't just learn dates and facts, but what happened through the eyes of somebody that was there. And so I'm, I'm working on that. In fact, I've contacted the high school my uncle went to. Perfect. Which is, <laughs> which is interesting because it's Jordan High School in Watts. Um, we've heard of Watts. Sure. So. That's we'll awesome. See. That's uh, that's great. It makes perfect sense. Um, why not? And you know, you have an opportunity to to look through the eyes of somebody else and, 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 and learn about a time that we all need to, 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 to know about. So I think that, 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 that makes perfect sense. And that's, that's incredible. So I love it. Well, Phil, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming on. Tell everybody where they can get a copy of the book. Okay. Go to Amazon and you can uh, just put in letters from uncle Dave and it'll pop up to the top. Uh, that's part of the title. Or if you put in Phil Rosencrantz, it should pop up. So it's pretty easy to find. And uh, it's got uh, it's 340 pages, um, 49 uh, letters. It's got uh, 105 images. So it's filled with photos and letters and documents and maps and um, trying to make it interesting. And uh, so... Uh, you can find it there. I love it. And oh, it's going to be—it's uh, e-booked right now, soft cover now. It'll be a hard cover in a week or two, and in a couple, month or two, it'll have an audio book. Excellent. So, well, congratulations on it. Uh, what a what a cool project, and it sounds like it's it's a a springboard into authorship for you. <laughs> Thank you. So. Thanks, as always, for listening. Please do go and pick up a copy of Letters from Uncle Dave, the 73-year journey to find a missing in action World War II paratrooper. And uh, you can get that on Amazon, or you can type in Phil Rosencrantz. It's R-O-S-E-N-K-R-A-N-T-Z. Thanks, as always, for listening. Remember, keep questioning, because the struggle is real. On behalf of Centauri and I, thanks, as always, for listening. Please subscribe to the show. Leave us a review and feel free to share the show on social media. Thanks a lot.